Who's had a really good week? Who's had a good week? It's been a really, really good week. Uh, it's been really, really good for me to be with you guys. Uh, some of you I've got to talk to uh, a few times to get to know a little bit. Others of you um, I have not been able to talk to and get to know a little bit. Uh, but no matter where you're at and, uh, tonight, uh, it's been really, really uh, a privilege and a pleasure for me just to be able to get up here and, and share a little bit of God's Word and hopefully encourage you and help you get encouraged by it. Um, tonight is going to be a little bit, not different, um, but we're going to get a little bit more practical. And I thought and thought and thought, uh, how do we wrap up a, a series on joy? And one of the things I've heard back from you guys a lot this week is, yeah, but how? Right? How, how do I do that? Like, how do, how do we actually try to find that joy? Right? We talked about resting in Christ numerous times, which is really, really important. But we're going to get pretty practical here. Uh, I'm actually going to return to a story um, that I started with last night, which was my high school girlfriend, Lindsay. The bus girl. The bus girl. Um, Lindsay, Lindsay and I, after um, I got back from this trip, uh, I remember being like, ooh, girl held my hand on the bus. That was fun. Um, and didn't really know what else kind of to do with it. And I remember um, this random night when I was, I, I may be making this, I don't know, I can't say 100% for sure. But I think it was that week that we had got, like a week or so after I got home from this trip, and I still was feeling pretty amped about, about hey, I'm, I'm a Christian now. I can't wait to really follow Jesus and learn these things and the Bible and all this stuff. I remember, I think I was literally in my room, like opening up the Bible, being like, "Where is Paul? Where is like John? Where is Romans? And what's that about?" I was like figuring out the Bible, and the phone rang, and uh, and that, I'm so old, it wasn't one of these, um, right? Um, it was actually a phone that was in the kitchen. Back then, it was my mom would be like, "Tony, the phone's for you," which seems like impossible for you guys now, right? But sure enough, there were times where I had to have my mom call me in, and there's a phone call for you. It's a girl. Who is it? <laughs> I roll my eyes and never talk to her for a week. Uh, but she, uh, just kidding, I wasn't that um, But I remember the phone rang, uh, and I went to her, and Lindsay and I had not talked since the bus incident. Um, and then sure enough, it was Lindsay. I still don't know how she got my phone number. It's kind of creepy because you couldn't, you know, it wasn't passable around those days. But she didn't. I remember her calling and just being like, Hey, I was like, hey, who, who are you? Uh, I, it was so funny. So like, this is Lindsay, and I'm so sorry to sound so mean. I really did reply, Lindsay who? <laughs> um, but she was set, and she was like, you know, and she was from the bus. I'm like, oh yeah, the hand holding the girl. That was funny. Um, and we talked, uh, and and uh, I remember that that night was the first time we talked on the phone. And I can't even tell you what that what streak that started. For me dedicating time and effort and energy into making sure I talked to this girl on the phone every single night. I had to plan it, I had to work my homework around it, I had to which I didn't really do homework in high school, but whatever. Um, but but I had to plan to make sure that this time was set. Um, well, guess what? Uh, when I was busy creating space, planning, and actually making time to do this thing, talk on the phone with this girl, which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with talking on the phone with a girl. That's good. Um, mostly. Um, 
what I wasn't doing was putting in effort, time, thought, and consideration into other ways I could have and should have been spending my time. And the reason that I share that story uh, is because we're, we've been talking about joy all week. And you see it in your testimonies. Like, this has been so joyful, and it has been. We've been experiencing the spirit and presence of God and, and each other in a really, really special way. And like, sure, joy, that sounds good. I'll have that, right? I'll have that. Why wouldn't I want joy? Um, and in a place like this, it's very easy to start to plan for, right? To make a plan of, I'm going to come home, and I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing that. And I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to have a quiet time, three hours in the morning. I'm going to be so spiritual. It's going to be great. And start making these plans, because right now you're so pumped about it. Well, a great prophet uh, named Mike Tyson <laughs> once said this, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face is what Mike Tyson said. I think there's actually a lot of wisdom in that. Because this, we all can make plans on what we're going to do when we go home and how we're going to go about X, Y, or Z. But when we get back to reality, we get punched in the face. Right? It might be a distraction that comes out of nowhere. I heard people up here this, this, this evening talking about loneliness. And it's just because we talk about joy all week doesn't mean you're going to go home and suddenly you're never going to feel lonely again. Or you're never going to feel bored again. Or you're never going to feel tempted again. Or that secret sin struggle that nobody knows about isn't going to rear its head in your life again. Or you're not going to feel insecure again. Or you're going to feel self-pity again. Or hurt and rejected by a friend again. Or just because you've been talking up in the mountains about joy for a week doesn't mean you're going to go home and your family issues are going to suddenly go away. Right? How do we, what do we do? What, what kind of plan can we make to engage and deal when, when we get punched in the face by reality? In real life. And I do believe this is reality up here, right? I believe we were made to be together to worship. God wanted us to do that. So I believe that this is reality, but we also have real lives back at home. So how do we apply? The question is, how do we apply joy? What does joy apply? How do we apply joy? What are very practical ways to practice pursuing joy that you've learned? That joy is a journey. If you remember that song we looked at earlier in the week, joy is a journey. And I actually want to, this is in my notes, I was convicted of this during the confession time. I'm going to stand up here with a teaching elder in the PCA and give you these three things that you should do to pursue joy when you get home. Like, I have it mastered, and you need to learn it. Because this is not true. I'm going to talk about spiritual disciplines. I don't have, I don't have my Bible reading and prayer down perfectly, or even close to perfect most times. I'm going to talk about community and building community and friends. And guys, I, I can stink at building good friendships and edifying friendships often. And don't pour into community myself. I can go days without praying. Okay? We're going to talk about personal time with God and being a servant and living outwardly. Because Paul tells us to. And I have weeks where I, I, I put my head up and I'm like, all I've been doing is thinking about myself. So as I'm saying these things to you, I want you to hear these things coming not from the speaker of YXL, that guy. I want you to hear these encouragements from the word of God themselves to you, to itself to you to support and encourage and to help you think about what it's going to mean to pursue joy. Um, so three things that we're going to look at. Um, but I want to, I want to, we're going to finish this whole week with it in Philippians. And this is the, this is the text that we're focused on tonight. Uh, and this is in Philippians 2. Remember, uh, this is the same book that we've been in all week long that Paul has been talking to these Philippians. And he says this. He says, I'm going to read it over here because I like to walk. Um, Philippians 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, 
any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. So we've been talking about joy all week. That should, that should be a marker that sort of makes you go, oh, this is interesting. Paul's talking about completing his joy. And guess what the completion of Paul's joy is? Most certainly the whole book shows that it's in Jesus Christ. But how is that manifested? Complete my joy by what? Talking to these people that he loves. By being of the same mind. Having the same love. Being in full accord or connected or um, in unity and of one mind. Do nothing, strong language, from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. But each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I feel led to just pray over this right now to get us started, and then we're going to jump in. <clears throat> Lord, we confess um, that um, we are not joyful oftentimes, or, or we are joyful and we're joyful in our own things. And as we conclude this week, we're tired. And help us right now to think very practically about what does it look like to apply all of these wonderful truths we've been thinking about and learning about this week. We need you, Jesus. We need you for our joy to be complete. Help us to think about that tonight. Pray this in your name. Amen. So he says, complete my joy. Paul takes joy in seeing other people do these things. So just for you, personally, when you read this, I just want a few people to, to get us going here tonight. When you read this, complete my joy, this is what you should do. What, what jumps out at you is interesting. What jumps out at you is, hmm, he's making a good point there. Or what just convicts you or, or strikes you as something that you wouldn't think about more. What, what, what jumps out at you about this passage? I feel very convicted about the end. But yeah. each of you not like only at his own interest, but to the interests of others. Because I tend to focus a lot on like, well, I'm not joyful because no one's paying attention mm -hmm. to what I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. But joy isn't found within yourself. It's found in Christ and through others, I think. Mm -hmm. And to turn your focus away from yourself and to like indulge in other people instead of yourself. It's a reaffirmation of what we've been talking about a lot this week, is that joy is not found in always looking at our own interests, right? Inward looking is not where joy is, right? And that's going to be convicting for us, because some of us, I'm going to get to this in a second, some of us are already making a plan about all the things that we've missed all week that we can't wait to do when we get back home, right? Uh, we're going to talk about that in a second. Other folks, what jumps out of you is interesting or, or convicting about this passage for you personally? Anybody? Yeah, significant. Go, Sophia. Um, okay, so it says complete my joy Right, and so Sophia brings up the, the idea that he's saying about being of the same mind, but we talking we talked about having unity in the midst of it. It's good to have disagreement. And Paul's not saying don't disagree with people, uh, but what he's actually pushing for is something that's really hard in today's culture, which is we can we can be in unity with one another and still disagree about things, right? We can we can be on the same page as humans with things, and especially here Christians, and not agree on every single little thing. And that's hard, which is why he's encouraging them to do to do it, right? One, I saw one or two more hands right here. How just often it like says, um, just with the same mind, like the same love, accord and of one mind. A lot of unity there, right? 
Yeah, he's, he's encouraging them right away. Complete my joy by what? He's saying, be together. Be on the same page. Find unity amongst one another. Right? That's what I hear. Um, you know, you yeah. Um, and I Absolutely. Yeah, this idea of humility. Man, that's a hard, a hard word to embrace. But Paul's saying part of joy here is, is humility. We're going to look at this. What we're going to do, I'm going to give you a map. We're, we're going to hit three things. Three things that I think this passage and one other one speaks of when it comes to pursuing joy when you get home, when you go home, right? Three things, and then I have a final encouragement for the week for you, and I'm going to close in prayer. And the first one that, that Paul brings up here, we've already talked about, is community and unity, right? You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. This is in First Peter. A holy nation. You're a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is, again, calling God's people just that, a people, reinforcing what Paul says. Be of the same mind. Come together and, and, and experience fellowship in community, across the entire story of Scripture, guys, across the entire story of Scripture, one of the most important themes in our spiritual growth is community. And when I sat back there and watched you guys share this evening, I saw a joy coming out of you that was from what? It was from the community and the fellowship and the togetherness and the support that you've experienced here. It's a slice of heaven. It's a picture of heaven. When we, have, we can feel safe and connected to one another in worship. And across all of Scripture, God relates to us as a people. Now, I want, you, I want to reinforce this. Yes, we have a personal relationship with God. We do. We have a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with God. But when we try to pursue joy only through just me and Jesus, me and Jesus, me and Jesus in my one-on-one -on -one time, we're going to miss out. Right? We're, we're missing something. Because God relates to you. Yes, you individually, but he also relates to you in a very important way as a part of a people, which is the church. In Hebrew, the book of Hebrews says this, Do not give up meeting, as some are in the habit of doing, but continue to encourage one another all the more as the day approaches. Right? He's saying, don't stop doing this. However you can get this, however you can find this, get it. Find other folks that believe and trust and are on the same wavelength as you are spiritually, and be with them. Encourage one another. Be intentional with one another. Because if you don't, you're going to drown in the ocean of looking for joy. We must, we must have other people as we pursue joy. We need each other in encouragement. I really like the Revolutionary War um, in that time period, right? The, the Founding Fathers. And there's this book I really, really like about it called A Glorious Cause. And it focuses on Washington and a lot of early battles between the British and the Americans. And there's this one line that, that jumped out at me. A lot, the early part of the war, the Americans were, well, they weren't the Americans yet, uh, but, the, but the early, the, the early colonial soldiers were just getting their stuff beat down, right, uh, by, by these soldiers. They were totally outmatched. A lot of the battles went wrong. And oftentimes, Washington, who's like the greatest military leader of all time, would be in these bunkers, and he would have his first few kind of groups of people fighting the war, and they would just be getting decimated. And many people in Washington would say, we need to cut bait and retreat and leave, which is at times is a smart move. But 
But something that oftentimes Washington would do, and he wrote about this later in his memoirs, and I'm going to read it for me from this book, is he said this. Um, and this isn't Washington describing what Washington did. Washington permitted troops to give support to the troops that were losing, so that while the, this is an important part, while the enemy could be seen, so could one's comrades. He Losing a battle, he sent more folks into the fray so that the ones that were already there, even though they could see the enemy right on top of them, they would look to their left and right in the bunker and they would see their comrades. Right. Guys, you're going to go home into a bunker where, as we talked about last night, an enemy is seeking to destroy anything that took place this week. All the encouragement, all the excitement that I heard up here in the testimonies, you guys are cheering it. There is an enemy who wants to destroy it. And you're going to get swallowed up unless you have comrades next to you. You can look next to you and say, what was that again that we learned about? What was that again that I was excited about? What was that again that I needed to hear? We need the fellowship of the church. We need comrades to help us fight for joy. How have you, a couple people, how have you experienced community as a helpful way for you, for your spiritual growth? How have you, how is this? Now, obviously, tonight's an example of it in our testimonies. But how have you experienced community and fellowship as a way to move you in your spiritual growth. How have you experienced that? What are examples of that? Yeah, right here. Uh, friends challenging you and calling you out on things that you're doing wrong. Maybe you want things to do wrong. Friends who are willing to say, what in the world are you doing? Because if you don't have any friends who are willing to disagree with you or tell you hard things, it doesn't mean get new friends. But be the one to bring it up with them and say, hey, we, our relationship needs to look different. We need friends who are willing to say, what are you doing? Like, that's not you. That's not how you're acting or how you should be acting or how you want to be, right? We need those friends who hold us accountable. Other folks, what are examples of ways that people, fellowship, communities encourage your spiritual growth? Yeah, right here. It's the church. It's the church. So how so? Give me, a, give me a good example of the church. Well, the pastor Yeah, whether it's youth groups or just other ways of going to church, being around people and being encouraged with folks. Guys, going to church isn't a checklist thing. It's like, oh, God will be happy with me if I go to church. Yes, that's true, but God gives us the church because we need the church, right? We need to belong to a church and not just go to the youth group. If you have a youth group, going to youth group is great. I got saved through going to a youth group. But we also need to be in church, worshiping. With, with all the different generations and to see and be encouraged by everyone coming together on a common goal, being of the same mind of we want to dedicate our lives to Christ. So if you've been hesitant to get involved in a youth group or get involved in a youth community uh, in a church uh, in, in your area, go home and, and think about what it would look like to get more involved and be more involved in the community uh, of your church. Having Christian friends saved my life in high school. Uh, and I really, really encourage you to keep pursuing those. Um, the other thing I want to look at tonight, so community and unity, and the other thing that Paul says in, in Philippians 2 is outward living is what I'm going to call it. Outward living. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have you ever seen anybody? And you're all going to have people in your head. A couple of them will probably be here tonight. Have you ever seen anybody who really seems to live in a way that they're just simply not thinking about themselves. 
They stand out, don't they? The people who, when you're talking to them, seem so interested in you and not interested in talking about themselves, it almost throws us off when we're talking to somebody who just keeps peppering us with questions like, oh, what's that like? Or where do you go to school? Or, oh, God, how did that happen? You're like, well, dude, leave me alone. You're getting off of my business, right? And, and it freaks us out, right? Because we're so used to just what? Being here with me. But it, it stands out when we're around somebody who's living and relating outwardly. Paul says that part of joy, going home from YXL and pursuing joy, is think about what would it like for me to live outwardly? So to begin to take steps toward living outside of myself. We like being around people that are others focused. Who likes being around somebody that's all about themselves all the time? Nobody. Nobody likes to be sitting in a room with one other person who can't stop talking about themselves, right? It's not attractive. Why is it not attractive? Because you weren't designed to be that way. We were designed and created to be living for other folks, to be serving and loving and considering in humility, not looking to our interests, but the interests of other people. But sin has corrupted and eroded that and made us selfish, self-centered people. And guess what? When, we're, when we let ourselves be selfish, self-centered people looking to our own interests, you're unhappy. You get lonely because nobody else wants to be around you because you're miserable to be around. And Paul is saying, find joy in a place that the world tells you is not there by serving and loving and being interested in those that are around you. How do you do that? Think about this. Some of you have already started to make a mental list in your head. When I get home, I can't wait to blank, right? For some of you, it might be video games. That was mine when I went on trips like this. I can't wait to go home and just binge watch Stranger Things because I missed it before I could go to YXL. And guilty. Guilty. But we have these lists of things that we can't wait to go home and do. And most of them, I would guess, probably don't have to do with you interacting very much with other people. Most of it is like, I can't wait to veg, on, veg out on my couch with some Chick-fil-A and crush that TV show, right? And that's okay, right? Or I haven't been able to get the internet up here, so I can't wait for my 12 straight hours of Instagram, right? Um, Guys, right now that seems so fun. And y'all, it's, it, I'm not, I don't think I'm overstating this. It would be devastating if you did that. It would be devastating if you did that. Um, I'm not saying it would be devastating if you ever watch Stranger Things season three. I hope not, because I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, but if you have this list of things that you just can't wait, all, all you're doing with YXL is you're treating it like a rubber band, right? You're being stretched all week, and you can't wait to get home to just let go and snap back to the way you were before. And Paul here is encouraging you. Instead of making a list of Stranger Things and Snapchat binge and catch up on what's going on on whatever, by video game thing. I don't play video games anymore, but I, I know that they're out there. Um, what if you made a list of things that you could do to serve your family? your friends, and the people in your community? What if you sat down and you thought of a service project that you could go and you could be a part of? Or a mission trip that your church has always done that you've never been a part of? Or again, something in your community that is in need that you've never even thought of? Oh, those are for those missionary type people. Guess what? We are created to be servants, all of us. 
And we find joy when we serve. And so what if on the plane flight, or the bus ride, or the van ride home, you just made a list of, these are some things that before I jump into my video game, before I jump into the TV show, before I go and watch the free movies, some of the movies that came out that I can get catch up on, before I let myself do that, those things, I'm going to think about some friends that are back home that really need a listening ear right now. And I'm going to call them up and say, hey, I want to spend time with you. Before I go do that. Well, there's that thing at my church that I'm always like, man, that would stink to go. I'm going to go sign up to do that. I'm going to see what happens. To make a list of things that make you get outside of yourself and think about looking at the interests of others. What if we made that list? Our culture says living for self makes us content. I want to, before we move on to the third one, I just wanted to ask this question and see how much you're processing this. Why is not living for self, why is not living for yourself what brings joy, right? I'm making the argument, the Bible is of course making the argument, that living for not yourself is what actually brings joy. You can go home and be like, well, I'm going to do that because Tony told me to, but tell me what you think. Why is not living for yourself what's going to bring you joy? Why is living for others actually what's going to bring you joy? Other than the Bible says it, right? It's what Christ did, right? So it's obvious that the Bible says it, but Christ did that. We're to pursue Christ, and Christ had a joy that we can't even comprehend. A joy that was so strong, we talked about a few nights ago, that it drove him to be able to endure the cross, right? So other folks, why convince me, if I'm a critic of it, or if I'm a cynic of it, why is living for other people instead of self, why is that going to make you happy? Why is it going to bring you a deeper joy? Right here. Seeing happiness in others that you contribute to brings a deep level of happiness that goes beyond, cool, now I know how that show wrapped up, right? Uh, that brings a deep, personal, satisfying, edifying, from in our bones type of joy that pure amusement cannot bring. David? Yeah, I mean, I think Jesus said, you know, I said this thing to Jesus, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Mm. You talked about this already, so but my Jesus' joy was for his joy to be in us. And his joy was to reconcile us to the Father, right? To prepare the bride. And, so, and we can be part of that. We talked about this ministry of reconciliation. We have, when, when you draw some, when you bring someone reconciliation, whether they're already a believer or whether they are or not, there's an incredible joy that comes. It was exactly what we just said, what Angel said. That that is, there's nothing like, you know, bridging that. Absolutely right. You, you have been made, whether you have done it before, whether you've given yourself over to it, you have been made to be a part of the kingdom of God and his plan moving forward to transform the world and, and make all things new again. That's an amazing plan to get wrapped up in, to get on board with. But we oftentimes try to avoid that and get off of it. It's, it's this joy when we do what we've been made to do. And oftentimes we forget it. Uh, the, the third thing that I want to bring up before my final encouragement for you is just personal time with God. Uh, personal, and I, I hesitated to bring this one up. This is going to be a real short talk. It's going to be two points, a final word, then I was going to wrap up. But I did decide to put this in here. And the reason I did, almost didn't is because I think we've actually overemphasized this. All right, some some people in the back might be saying, "What are you talking about? What are you saying back there? Uh, how can you overemphasize personal time with God?" Well, I, I, by by that, what I mean is not that we've actually talked about it too much. 
But I think we've overemphasized it as, as the spiritual badge and as a checkbox for us. And when, it, when that's what it is, it's a burden. There's a reason that many of you, when you've attempted to spend time with God, whatever that looks like, we're going to talk about it, why it hasn't felt joyful for you. Because you're approaching it as something that's going to make God happier with you. Instead of what's going to make you joyful with God. Right? You approach Bible and prayer and quiet times as this thing that's going to, again, make God joyful over what you're doing. And there is a reality that God receives glory and joy when we pursue Him. But God has given us these things as, as one phrase you can use to describe it as a means of grace. In other, ways, in other words, a way of us receiving His grace in a real and tangible way. So my, I have a couple questions for you. To be honest, have devotional, uh, a lot of people call them quiet times, have quiet times been hard for you or challenging for you? Raise your hand. Okay. A few people. Why? Distraction. I get distracted. Other folks, why are devotional times of the Lord hard for you? Because when I miss a day, I feel guilty. Right. If I miss a day, I feel guilty. Then I'm like, oh man, I'm terrible, blah, blah, blah. Then I get off the train, and I feel like i got to avoid it to keep it out of my mind, and then a week goes by. Right? So I hand over here. I'm really just Yeah, for some of us, we've been trained that quiet time has to be just that. Me and the quiet for 45 minutes. With this, with 14.6 minutes in the Bible, and then whatever, I can't do math. The rest of the time dedicated to praying, right? And some of us just simply don't have the, the, the personality to be able to sit down and quiet and do that in one spot for that long. But we've been told that's what we're supposed to do. And so it doesn't seem joyful to us right here. Right, just remembering to do it. Right, just remembering. Yeah, Rob. Sometimes we read the, the Word and we just, it doesn't Yeah, sometimes it just doesn't hit. And sometimes that's natural. Other times it's because there's things in our life that aren't allowing it to hit, right? Or because we're looking for some emotional moment when we don't get, I want my Bible to make me feel like YXL did. And when it doesn't, we're like, boo, you, Bible, you know. Um, you should be more like YXL, you know. Um, and that's discouraging to us, and so we, we don't go back to it because the Bible's not YXL. Um, and, and we want it to be something else, and that can be discouraging, man. Honest, and I appreciate that. You know what? Right now, I'd rather watch Stranger Things, Tony. <laughs> Deal with it. We feel like we have better things to do. Uh, and that's the distraction part oftentimes as well. Hand here. Sleep. Sleep. <laughs> I'm tired, man. <laughs> I can do this tomorrow, right? So exhaustion. These are understandable things, right, here. We want instant gratification. Man, we want gratification. I want to read, I want to have one quiet time and feel like a spiritually different person every single time. Right? Hand over here, yes. Our mind wanders the things that we have to do during the day. When our mind wanders, we lose track of what we're reading and then we have to restart. And when we restart, we don't want to. That's right. Yeah, our minds just wander. And it's okay. It's a, part of that's okay. It's not like I should feel bad about my mind wandering. I mean, who's ever been in the middle of a prayer, like sitting in your bed at night, either fall asleep or you're like, how did I start thinking about the Ninja Turtles, you know, like, how did that happen? Um, I was praying, I didn't stop praying, but now I'm thinking about Leonardo. Um, are the Ninja Turtles still a thing? I don't even know. It's just, yes, okay, yes. awesome. The great, cool, the little kids are like, yeah, Tony! 
Um, I love them, by the way. Anyway, sorry. Um, how, how, how have quiet times, devotional time, personal time with God, how has it been good for you? What, where have you seen and tasted joy in personal devotional time with God? Yeah, we're here. Yeah. Sometimes they're like, I, lo I like this. I was planning on just reading these two verses, but I'm going to do four. You know, like you get excited about Like, man, check me out today. Uh, but really, like, like I want to keep reading. I want to keep reading. There's something about this that's doing what? That's doing what? It's creating a thirst for something that wasn't there before. Right? When we come into contact with the holy, living word of God, it creates a thirst in us. It creates a hunger for joy. And when we continue to feed that, our, literally, what our taste for joy is, is changed. It's a really good one. Other folks, what, how's it been satisfied? Both. Uh, I enjoyed uh, time by myself. Sometimes it just provides rest for us. So I'm by myself, and if this is the excuse I have to use, great. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason I was going to bring it up. Jesus says at one point, when you pray, go in your room and shut the door. And pray to your Father who's in secret. Your Father who's in secret will reward you. There is something about being in solitude that's really restful for us with, with Jesus. So another hand up. Yeah. It recenters us, right? Who would have thought a Bible, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 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 the story of true wisdom and truth can recenter us. In a world of life, there's this phrase that, that I like that's actually taken from the Bible, but it's reworded. But the world has been given a lie, but lives as if it were the truth. We have been given the truth and oftentimes live as if it were a lie. But when we return to it, we realize, oh my goodness, what have I been doing? And it recenters us. It reminds us. That's why worship and togetherness and, and the church is important to remind us of this. Anybody else on how these things, how it's been helpful for you? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Tony, I think it's When we have that mentality, like, I need personal relational time with my father, we don't treat it as a checkbox. We don't treat it as a spiritual badge of honor. And that's when it actually turns into something that grows us and is joyful. One last one. I kind of see it as, like, getting in the habit of flossing your teeth. It's flossing your teeth. Okay, forget to do, but when you consistently do it, when, it, when you don't, your teeth feel gross. Right. And you can tell that there's something wrong in your mouth. And sometimes we don't want to read the Bible, but we know it's good for us. And so if you just get in the habit of just reading a little bit every day, you'll, when you don't, you'll realize there's something missing. That's right. You don't realize what you're missing oftentimes. When you're and it's cleansing for us. The Bible can be cleansing for our mind uh, and for our heart. Another reason to do it is because guess what? Jesus did it. Uh, it says this about Jesus in Mark 1. Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. When, the, when Jesus was attacked um, in temptation on the mountain early in his ministry, every single time he fought off the attacks of Satan with the word and with prayer. 
every single time. Uh, we desperately, we desperately need it. Uh, and then finally, uh, what we've been talking about with John 15, remember this passage we've grown back to often where Jesus says, abide in me, I am the vine and you are the branches. So he's saying abide in me. In other words, that word, that word abide is taken from this Greek word uh, that essentially is called meno or menos, which is to remain is what it means, to remain. Jesus is pleading with you as you go home tomorrow, you've been with me this week. It's so good that you've been with me this week. Your spirits have been stirred in so many ways. And he's saying, John 15, if you're looking like, what do I read the Bible? I don't open the John 15, read it. Because Jesus is pleading with us. Remain in me. Stay with me. And he says this, apart from me, you can do nothing. Not just, again, to check off the spiritual badge, but he says this, we've talked about it, so that you may have my joy and your joy may be full. How do I practically pursue joy? Open up your Bibles when you get home and receive the means of God's grace to you and respond to him in prayer. Joshua says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it, on, meditate on it day and night. So on one hand, guys, I cannot emphasize personal devotional time with Jesus enough. And one time, on one hand, I cannot emphasize it enough. On the other hand, I want to ask you this. Why are we doing it? When you sit down, why are you doing it? A spiritual checkbox or to get joy? Is it, is it the waters for you to go to to satisfy your thirst? What are you thirsty for? You're going to go home because you've been trained in this almost your whole lives. You're going to go home and you're going to be thirsty for amusement. You're going to be thirsty for pleasure. i got to get back. i got to plug myself back into that line of pleasure in my life. And what would it look like to begin to create a different thirst in your life? And maybe say no to social media for a week. Or maybe hold off on binging stranger things. Or maybe hold off on whatever that is for you. And say, I want to create a different thirst. The means of grace, Bible, what we're going to do in a few minutes, the sacraments, where we drink and feed on the body and blood of Christ, is a way to receive his presence. Um, there's a story, there's a story uh, about an African explorer in the 19th century, it's one of my favorite illustrations, and it speaks to me. This African explorer in the 19th, I'm sorry, the 19th century, he's, he's literally, uh, he's in Africa and he's, and he's cutting through this jungle, that has been unexplored. Think about it. A part of, of Africa that's never been touched. And he hires all these African villagers to help him. Uh, and he's this, great, he's this great explorer. And he's got this band of 15 or 20 explorers in this, this thick jungle. And the first day they start, he wants to get to a certain point by a certain time. And he's just pushing. He said, we've got to get there. And, these, and these, African, uh, these African villagers are just hacking down trees. And they're just cutting down grass. And they're just killing it. And he's so far ahead of time. After day one, they get to the they're way ahead of the schedule. And then the day two, they wake up, and, and before he even wakes up, they've already gotten up, and they've made all this work, and they've done all these things. And he's so excited about all this work that he's done. And he wakes up on day three, and the camp is not moving. And he, and he goes to a translator and says, why, why are the villagers still sleeping? Why, why, aren't they, uh, why aren't they up cutting away the jungle? And the translator goes to one of the villagers, and this is what he said. Uh, he said, we need to let our souls catch up with our bodies. We need to take a whole day to let our souls catch up with our bodies. 
but it's the busiest generation in the history of this entire planet. And Jesus is saying, come to me, abide in me, and let your soul catch up with your body. Because if you don't, your soul's going to get left behind. And it's just going to be about working, doing, what am I producing? And our souls, as we read last night, are at stake. Our souls are in danger. We need to rest in Christ because that's what sustains joy for us. So community and unity going home. How can I build community? How can I build unity? How can I build fellowship with other Christians? How can I begin to go home and begin to think about living my life outwardly instead of inwardly? And three, pursuing joy. How do I begin to go to Jesus with the personal time with him and the means of grace? This is my final encouragement for you. And then I'm going to pray. Responded song. This is, I thought about a, different, a lot of different ways to finally encourage you guys. If you've been napping because you're tired, come back in. I want you to hear this. We just spent a whole week, a whole week, talking about Christian joy. We spent six talks talking about joy. And guys, great job. Great job listening, great job talking. You guys have been very interactive, and it's been so good. But I have bad news. I have some bad news at the very end of our joy series, and my bad news is this, is that we're going to go home and we're not going to be people of joy. That's a bummer of a way to end a series, right? We're not going to be people of joy. At least not fully. At least not the way that we are intended to be. We've talked a lot tonight about good, practical things to do to pursue joy. And do them. Write them down. Make the plan, please. But whether it's tomorrow on the ride home, whether it's Sunday, whether it's Tuesday, whether it's a month from now, whatever it is, you're going to hit a snag. You're going to have a bad day. You're going to have doubt that creeps back into your life. You're going to get angry. You're going to be overcome with the sadness of your, your family and home life. You're going to be overcome with the loneliness of why can't I make friends like I had at that camp in Colorado for a week. You're going to be discouraged by why can't I remember what that guy at, at, at YXL said. You're going to look at that thing you promised you swore you would never look at before. You're going to do that thing that you made a promise to God that you never would do before. And you're going to, you're, you're, again, you're going to be discouraged. And you're going to feel down. And joy is going to be hard to find. And why is that? Because you're fallen. Like I'm fallen. And Paul is fallen. And we all are fallen. We're fallen people. And you can go home and you can try really, really, really hard to be joyful. And it's still not going to work, guys. You can do, you can try to do these things I wrote on my piece of paper. Take a picture of them if you want. And I'm going to do these things. And it's still not going to work. You're still going to fail at finding joy in a full way. And when that happens, what happens? We get down, we get depressed, we feel defeated when our goals fail, and we realize we're unable. And that's why my final encouragement to you is when you realize that you are unable to do everything you learned this week, to lean upon and to run to and to embrace the one who is able 
and the one who did when you could not, and the one who accomplished when you failed, the one who died for you out of love that was unstoppable, the one who is the only human being in all of history who ever has and ever will experience real joy. And the joy that was outside of himself because it was joy in his own glory and joy in you. When you lose joy and become overcome and don't know what to do, run to that one. Run to him. And be honest with him. And say, I don't have joy in you right now, Jesus. And then rest in the fact that that very God doesn't look upon you in judgment or disappointment in your lack of joy, but embraces you and holds you and points you to what he has done when he said on the cross, it is finished. I died for that lack of joy in your life. That's why I came. So that one day you would experience real joy in its fullest. Don't feel discouraged when your joy doesn't come the way that we talked about this week. Be encouraged by the fact that the God of the universe beckons you to run to him when your joy is depleted. Because I've loved spending this week for you, this, this, this week with you. And I've so enjoyed talking about joy. And I'm going to pray right now that we would have joy but also that when we lose that joy, we would run to the only one who gives full joy. So let me do that now. Jesus, we, we need joy. We truly need you. Thank you that you came to give joy. To win joy for us. And that when we are unable, you are able. Because you are our Lord, you are our Savior, you are our sacrifice. And now you, you are seated on a throne over us in complete joy. Help us to turn our heads and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to that when we feel lost and confused. We need you, Jesus, and we need your joy, please, by your spirit, bring it to us. We ask and pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.